Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. My very special guest is Bipo Phoenix, the multi-talented Bipo Phoenix. Bipo, are you with me? Can you hear me? I can hear you now, yes. How are you? Okay, great. I'm good. Great. Welcome nice to the program. Good to hear your voice, Michael. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Fantastic, my friend. Let me ask you a question before we begin this journey. You ready? Oh, I'm ready for you. Okay, great. What is poetry? Um, well, that's a great question. Um, it's been a question for the ages. Um, classically, there's a distinction between poetry and prose, um, with prose writing tending to refer to things that are more either narrative or explanatory, whereas poetry functions through imagery and metaphor and analogy and simile. Um, for me, poetry is just the most malleable way of my deploying my own voice creatively. Um, I really rely on a lot of multidimensional poetry. So um, my website, BipoRevolution.com, is where I publish things. And I usually publish two visuals with each poem. The visuals are sometimes inspired by the poem. Sometimes the visuals inspire the text. Um, I like to perform with with music in the background. So poetry can, can be a many, many different things to many, many different people. I mean, anyone's definition of what's poetry to them is, is as right as their own, right to their own opinion and, and state of mind is. Very, very nice. Why do you think it's important? I know that's just a slight nuanced question, but why is it important? Well, um, for me, poetry can juxtapose different ideas and it can create visions, um, aspirations of how we can be in the present, how we can live in the future, the kind of relationships we can aspire to. Um, It can give voice to marginalized um, communities and creative beings. Um, So poetry is critical for all of those reasons and I'm sure many more. Yes. Well, please share a poem. Okay, great. Thank you. I have two published poetry zines, which you can find out information about on my website. And I'm reading right now the first poem from my um, second zine, which is entitled Phoenix Testament. And this poem is called Dopamine Clinic. This is a new breed of poem, a hybrid, a Cylon, a mutating fractal. These are verses for the age of cyberpunk dystopian windows into the inner workings of our minds, evolving exponentially to give us some faint hope of overthrowing the rising global fascist order. I have seen visions both profound and visceral. I have felt divine energy surging through my cortex, inspired by my pyromanic rituals. I have had to learn to say no to my visions and voices, to recognize their power, but choose to remain grounded in the moment. Insight becomes foresight, while hindsight is internalized. Dopamine claims our minds in the depths of the night, 
leaving logic and reason to trail far behind. We don't know all of the contours of the path we must take, but we have faith in our collective genius. I ramble and digress because it is so hard to keep this manic spirit focused, gliding in a state of manic zen, not flying into psychosis. Presence is the essence, the spiritual core of our resistance, building survivors out of victims and conjuring the power to transform this system. It's so bright tonight, under the gaze of starlight, righting wrongs and doing right, imagining vistas of pixies with their seductive might. My magical fire is gestating nascent godlings deep inside, vanquishing shame and transforming pride, leaving the residue of toxic emotions far behind. Our pop divas are alchemists, exploring cosmic themes to transcendent beats. The rhythms of transformation pulsate all around us, churning fires that burn deep. Stop thinking and start blinking, sending dopamine flowing through your nervous system. We are crafting a new religion where grounded roots meld with supernatural visions. This is a dopamine clinic, an experiment in achieving the orgasmic, fueling corporeal contractions and attenuated extensions, forging a psycho-spiritual power that will become potent and massive. This is a dopamine clinic, transfusing your frontal lobes with cosmic energy. I will seduce your mind with my dance as we move our world toward its sacred date with destiny. You know, I've heard your work many times, and I'm always amazed by the depth, the breadth, just the beauty of it. What are some of the predominant themes of your work? I'm so glad you asked that. I was just thinking that I needed to address that. I... I sometimes feel like I'm rewriting the same poem again and again, um, but of late I've 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 really felt like there's some distinct distinct voices and and um, perspectives that I that I give 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 expression to. Um, there are a few themes that often intertwine um, in my poetry. Um, one is liberatory politics of collective emancipation. Um, I write a lot about mental health and mental illness. Um, I have a, a pretty extreme mental health condition. I live on the manic depressive spectrum. The clinical diagnosis is bipolar, and my first poetic name, Bipo, is a riff on the word bipolar. So I write a lot about um, the the power that comes with um, these mental health conditions, the creativity, the insight we have, but also the struggles we go through. Um, I write a lot about... Um, anti-racism, uh, black liberation. Um, I'm, I'm a black and queer DC native. I write about queer liberation, queer sexuality. I write a lot about um, the transcendent power of the erotic to be a force in the struggle to change society. I was really inspired by my friend Adrienne Marie Brown's book, um, Pleasure Activism, and I have written a lot about um, the tantric, the kundalini energy, and how, the, um, how these things inform um, self-actualization in our society. Um, and um, you know, I, I write about uh, I write about dance. I write about street art. Um, a lot more, but but those are some of the predominant themes. Incredible. How does a poem begin for you with an idea, a form, or an image? Different times, different ways. Um, sometimes I'll just get intoxicated by a title. Like I'm reading um, N.K. Jemisin's book, The Fifth Season, and I came across the phrase rage incarnate and as soon as i read it i was like that is a title 
So I'm on a mission to find visuals that animate that and to think of what the text is. Um, but mm-hmm. some of my poetry has flowed straight from a title. A lot of the time, um, I find imagery. Um, I, at present, most of the images on my website and in my zines are work by artists who I collaborate with. I've often just found someone's work on Instagram and sent them a direct message and said, hey, here's my website. I like to use imagery with my poetry. Would you be cool with my using your art as an inspiration? And so I have consent of a whole array of artists to use whatever I find on their, on their feed with my work. Um, so a lot of times I see images and then write the poem from the image, and I like that too. Remarkable. You know, all great writers have great writing influences. Who are some of yours, and what makes them great in your eyes? Um, let me think. Um, I grew up with a lot of Nikki Giovanni poetry in my head. Um, so she's one of the poets I really admire. Um, some contempor- a contemporary poet I deeply admire is Remy Kanazi. He's a Palestinian-American poet from New York. Um, I have people in my peer network who I deeply respect. Um, my friend Sun Dragon, who's in a lot of my work. Um, Christina Bejan, who's appeared with me on your show about focusing on mental health. Um, but other sorts of writers, you know, I James Baldwin might be um, my favorite novelist, um, but I also love Richard Wright. I hate the fact that there can only ever be one great black writer at a time. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just it's just absurd. You know, there's there are writers, and then there's who's the black writer? We need our black writer mm-hmm. for the moment. Um, but you know, I I could extrapolate, but I I hadn't um, thought ahead to think about that question. All right, not a problem. You know, this is a call-in show, and you're very popular. There are a number of callers online with hopefully questions for you. Do you mind if I bring a person on right now? Sounds good. All right. Area code 303, the first three numbers are 295. You're on the air with Bible Phoenix. Hello? Maybe they're to listen. Let's try someone else. You're very popular, Bipo. Really, you are. Here we go. Area code 510, the first three numbers are 332. You're on the air with Bible Phoenix. Hello? Hello? Yes. Yeah, hi. You have a question for Bipo. David says Emily. It's my cousin Emily. It's your cousin Emily. (laughs) (laughs) You're on the air. You're on the air. You have a question for your cousin. Do I have a cousin for my uh, question for my cousin? How do you get into your creative zone? Where do you find that? Excellent question. Great question. Um, I... Um, I often, um, yeah, I just, I guess I find that, you know, I, like I have a lot of really intentional mindfulness parts of my day. Um, so I try to get up early and go for a long bike ride. And then immediately, you know, when I get back, I try to do my meditation. And um, when I exercise, I really center a lot. And I also have a lot of ideas pop through my head. Um, and then I also... I just continually um, 
find things to move me to want to create or express. Um, and, you know, but I, but I feel like the, the spiritual grounding really, really helps um, me to be able to separate the good ideas from the, from the verbal detritus, as it were. All right. Very nice. Thank you, Cousin Emily. Thank you for your question. Thank you. All right. David, please share another poem. Bible Phoenix, please Great. share another poem. Um, so I'm going to read a poem from my first scene. And this is one of the older poems. It's kind of a different generation of work than I, than I do now. But it's, it's a little bit long. So brace yourself. It's called Agent right. of Karma. Agents of Karma. In the beginning was the word, and the word was death, or maybe life, or death to all life. And Adama was born, toy soldier of divine clay, neither man nor woman, just fine in its way. Adama was cleaved in two by fire, lightning strike from Zeus on high, Woman formed, Cylon hybrid whore, gave birth by Caesarean section to Julius Caesar, lord of infection. Anno Domini, year of our Lord, moment of conception, moment of birth, the year the serfs got fired up and ate the rich bastards. Never plastic, always spastic, evolution or else disaster. Positive, negative, negative, positive, ever unchanging energy flow, bringing homo sentience to destiny's door. Pro-homo, baby, an ancient tradition, karma comes to destiny's kitchen, order born of chaos, an ancient truth, but what of Ruth, forsooth, who pulled A.D.'s rotten tooth. Odysseus was Hades before he was Satan. Satan was Gabriel, Zeus's right hand, who started his own band and let it get to his head. Ancient terms are sources of truth, primal urges and sapien roots. Order from chaos is evolution. Social disorder breeds revolution. Seers, magicians, shepherds, and orgies, part of our heritage, part of our story. Drawing the sacred from the sacrilegious, breeds life, love, and vitality, gives power to Trotsky's monster army, million-strong monster family. Queen Gaga is back, Hellenic roots, Caesar Banksy, king of rats, rallying the hybrid Cylon troops, breeding disciples, forging steel-toed boots, Taria Rose, bringing hope of liberation, salvation, temptation, desegmentation of nations. Intifadic jihad is postmodern class war. Hit the floor, baby doll, and show monsters some more. Rebels today are far and wide, wired, fried, unorganized. Let's build us a church, remember some fables, empower our schizos, rearm the disabled, bring Marx, Che, and Malcolm to Diana the Huntress. Let Ella and Nina and Nikki reconquer. From, ryth from rhythm to rhyme, from rhyme back to rhythm, the manics and hypos were bred from depressives. Buddha and Dharma are Cylons reborn, human cyber hybrids at one with the dawn. Monster marks magic, a new renaissance, powered by hip-hop, graffiti and dance, harness the power of wind, rain, and soil, rebuild the temple, make Cylon blood boil. The phoenix is rising, she's straight, monster, queer, breathing fire through nasals with dope beats in her ear. She's pulverizing the lost corporation, democratizing our last plantations, saving a planet from shore devastation, expanding and branding the karmic dilation. Red Mafia rises with spirit well-armed, Karma is coming, best keep it crunk. Divine power diving for Atlantis-style charm. Bipo freaks are agents of karma. Rolling deep and going hard. 
popping pills and taking charge, meditating and stimulating, populating and orchestrating, reinventing, manumission, elevating, mooding cognition, taming the beast and setting her free, craving the taste of freedom so deep, harness the power of wind, rain, and soil, rebuild the temple, make Cylon blood boil, monster marks magic, a new renaissance, powered by hip-hop, graffiti, and dance, build me a mosque, build me a temple, I'm starting a cult and calling it Bipo, the Bible rewritten for new rising tongues, let our rulers tremble, the serfs have guns, Quranic verses reborn in Tahrir, keeping it clear while breathing fresh air, evolve or die trying, revolt or live lying, ready for the seventh coming, Retina that's nothing, so just keep on busting, ancestors rise at the sound of our horn, screaming death to the tyrants, let justice be born, now's the time baby, to smash the state, don't hate, just wait for your Cylon fate, rebuilding a world and saving a race, agents of karma, claim your proud ancient names, words are weapons, no justice, no peace, a cosmic inception, unleashing the beast. Let's take out some drones, Geronimo style, empower the base, and treble your power. She's got an AK, I've got my revolver. Bipo freaks are agents of karma. In the beginning was the word. The sentence came next. But that took kind of long. The process a mess. Can't wait around for Messiah's reborn. Arm yourself, baby. It's mindfuck time. Evolve or die trying. Revolt or live lying, from evolution to revolution. New common turn, baby, a karmic solution. Absolutely incredible. incredible. Thank you. What was I, I sped through that. I, you you go ahead. Sorry. You, no, no, seriously, you, you sped through it. <laughs> I just hope it was clear. I mean, it was <laughs> remarkable, just the rhythm. I mean, it made me want to trip the light fantastic. So <laughs> it was an incredible piece of work, incredible piece of work. What was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? Um, let me think. I, I actually, one of the formative parts of my life started when I was about 11. Um, I, we did this seat, um sixth grade musical in my elementary school and a woman named Carol Foster came to do the choreography and she was the director of something called the DC Youth Ensemble and I, I thought modern dance was, was like what you saw on MTV you know um, and I wanted to do modern dance and I signed up for her summer program and I quickly learned that it was not MTV <laughs> it was a whole oh, discipline right. rooted in, the, in, in a little transition from ballet but um, there was a lot of performance we did that, that, that drew from poetry, and we would um, dramatize poems, and um, there would be staging of different people reading different parts of poems. And we, I was, we had a performance called, um, we had a, a show called Brother Listen to Me. It was also, it was the, the sibling program of a program called Sisters in Celebration. And this was an, an all-black performing arts company. Um, and we had a poem about, we had a, performance piece about rap and and it was this um we gave this very rhythmic opening it was like boom top boom boom and then we said rap ain't nothing but some poetry and like it was this whole flow from there so you know i guess that's my best answer to your question all right (laughs) thank you again this is a call-in show the number is 646-787-1631 let's go with another caller all right you ready 
I'm ready. All right. Caller, Hello? the area code is 202. The first three numbers are 506. You're on the air with Bible Phoenix. Hello? <laughs> That's my mother. That's your mother? <laughs> yes. You're getting my family. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's let's try another caller. <laughs> That's very nice. Area code five eight five. The first three numbers are five oh six. You're on the air with Bible Phoenix. Hi. Um, hello. This is hello. Um, this is Margaret, the uh, cousin of David. Um, and I've been admiring cousin of Bible Phoenix. Sorry, I've been admiring your work for. <laughs> A long time, um, and I was wondering how long it usually takes you when you write a poem, and how do you do it? Like, do you do it all at once, or do you do it in stages, and do you revise it? Um, yeah, just sort of the process. Yeah, beautiful question. Yeah, so um, the poem I read just now, Agents, Agents of Karma, gestated for about a week. Like, there was, I would get these these um, waves of inspiration and I would write a new several paragraphs often in the middle of some book I was reading. I, at the time I was like training at a restaurant and I kept getting ideas in the middle of being trained so I would write on napkins and hide them away. But more often the process is, is a little bit more straightforward. I usually um, finish a poem in one sitting, finish writing it. I write by hand. I often write in the evening. And I often give myself, let the poems sit in my brain overnight while I sleep, and then I'll try to publish it in the morning. I try to avoid publishing things in the middle of the night because it alarms people who know that I can be manic sometimes. Um, so usually I write by hand, and then um, you know I'll, I'll go through a few edits by hand, and then I'll type it up, and I'll edit it, typing it up, and then I'll put it online. Um, and what I like about publishing online is you can always change a piece. So a lot of times I'll get feedback, um, and I will revise the work. All right. Very oh, nice. Thank you. All right. Thank you for calling in. Another cousin of David. All right. <laughs> Let's try one more. Area code 202. The first three numbers are 906. You're on the air with Bible Phoenix. Hello? Uh, hi there, yeah. Uh, this is Dwayne. Uh, David, hi, how are you? Um, I was wondering, um, what are your, uh, who are your literary, literary influences in, in poems, in poetry? Um, yeah, great question. I, I said earlier that Nikki Giovanni was one of the people who first inspired me poetically. Um, you know, Langston Hughes is an inspiration, um, but I I find myself um, writing, thinking about a lot of different forms of cultural expression. Like, you know, good music is poetry. Like, the lyrics are, yes. you know, animated poetry. So a lot of the times people who are never going to be considered poets in a literary arena are helping are, are people who are people I consider inspirations and you know some of the um, some of the musicians who inspire me most I mean I have my, my, my taste in music is like 
highbrow and totally lowbrow. Like, I can, like, you know, fly off the handle to just, like, old school or even new school Madonna. Um, but I also really like Ani DeFranco. I like um, a lot of different um, hip-hop forms. I like, I like international hip-hop. I really like French hip-hop. Um, and sometimes I play with different languages in my work. Um, so um, thanks for the question, Dwayne. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Thank you very much. We have one more, David, and then we'll go back into your poetry. Okay. All right. Area code 707, the first nine, first three numbers of 592. You're on the air with Bible Phoenix. Hello? Maybe they're here to listen. All right. Please share another poem. Okay, great. Um, I'm going to read a poem that is one of my recovery-themed poems. I've been in um, recovery from, from substance abuse uh, for the last um, year and a half, pretty much. And um, this is the poem that best describes my current um, my current view of my own sense of spirituality, and it's called Noticing. And actually, just I, I want to plug someone. Um, my friend King Stefan, um, he gives me a lot of, of my visuals, and two of his images are what I use for this poem, but I haven't yet shouted him out. And there's a number of people who've given me that kind of artistic freedom. Slava Magutin is a Russian-American queer artist. Um, Miami Lux is a um, dancer based in Portland now. Um, Fabiana Rodriguez is another artist. So those visual artists are part of who inspire me poetically in, in many ways. But again, but just to go back to this poem, it's called Noticing. My God is in the noticing, noticing the moment between when I start to breathe and when I feel the first rush of air into my lungs, noticing the energy and magic that surrounds us, evident in birds that flock and fungi who thrive on the toxins leached by other forms of life, noticing the beauty of an incisive glance and of the alluring throb of the dance floor. All of these forces suggest the omnipresence and wisdom of my higher power. I try to let every moment in time expand, seeking a fleeting faith in the immortality of the present, drawing strength from the fact that, when rooted in the now, there is absolutely nothing that we cannot imagine. I seek the serenity of trees ebbing and flowing with currents of air. I seek the humility of a supplicant whose goal is to serve the collective. And I strive to tame the foolish and naive grandiosity of ego. I steadily cultivate gratitude, both for life's blessings and for her challenges, for it is adversity that so often stimulates us into growth. I notice the sacred eye of insight as its potency recurs in my visions, an eye of prescience, wisdom, and foresight, outlining the boundaries of a future blessed with abundance. I notice a rush of dopamine to my frontal lobe, and I notice that my bare feet feel rooted in the earth. My God is in the noticing, and it is in these moments that I find my most transcendent joy. Beautiful. Your work is so full of emotion. Do you think that someone can be called a poet if they don't feel strong emotions? Good question. I mean, I don't think they would be a particularly good poet. Okay. Um, 
Tell me more. Tell me <laughs> but, more. You know, I, but some people's poetry is, is less um, – I mean, I, I write pretty intensely. You know, like if you yes. read – if you read your poetic, you know, founding, the, the, the canon, there are people who talk about, you know, trees and paths and flowers and suns. You know, like, there's a lot of different genres, and I don't want to knock poetry that's just different from mine. Um, but for me, my poetry is definitely reliant on the big emotions. It's definitely reliant on um, the vision of social change. It's definitely reliant on a lot of, um, on a deep-rooted sense of the power that we bring with ourselves through many ways that it can be expressed. Now, poetry can also be very, very heavy. Does writing energize or exhaust you? Both. I mean, it, actually, it rarely exhausts me. I really Give rarely... Give me more. Give me more. Tell me more. Um... Yeah, I mean, I I can't remember ever writing something that felt exhausting to write. Really? Actually, well, you wow. know what? In truth, there have been times when I was um, so depressed that I couldn't write. I just didn't mm-hmm. have anything to – nothing moved. And I often, in those places, would write depression poems, me trying to just describe it and feel it. And those were a little harder to write sometimes, but they always got me out of depression, like, pretty quickly. Mm. Like, once I wrote about it, once I was in a place where I had the space to talk about the shades of gray or the and, the... and my second name, Phoenix, is it came because I was in a really, really bad depression, and I got back um, into organizing life, and I contacted... I got back in touch with a really good friend from Immigrant Justice Organizing, Rosa Lozano, and... She just said, well, you're a phoenix. You know, we knew you'd be back. Um, a phoenix mm. being the bird that's born from the, from the ashes of a fire, you know. Um, yeah. So that was, um, I wrote a poem called Becoming Phoenix. That, that's another poem like that, um, that, that that works in that kind of a way. Do you have that poem with you tonight? I do not. I could pull it up. Okay. It would take me a few minutes. All right, all right, I understand. You know, they say that to see the world with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, artists, and poets. What do you think emerges naturally from your work? Um, I think that people get People get a sense of my energy and my commitments and my, my vision. Um, mm-hmm. I get a lot of, um, you know, I, I get a lot of positive response of people just, like, really vibing with the message, you know, when I share my work on social media. And that's really gratifying. All right. You know, all poets have several words that come up over and over and over again in their work. What are three of your absolute favorite words to use? Um Great. That's a fun question. Um, Sorry. Yeah, I think um, I think I probably use the word liberation. A lot. Okay. Um, I know I use 
variations on the word neurodivergent, neurodivergence, things like that. I use that a lot to talk about mental health stuff, to reframe it. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, I use... I use a lot of, um, I use words from the, that are vaguely part of the English language, like kundalini, which is a kind of yoga, but it's also a description of a vision of a kind of sexual energy that moves from your root chakra up your spine into your head and your the higher chakras. Um, so I talk about that. I relate it to tantra, tantric, tantric sexual spiritual practice. Um, those are a few of them. All right. You know, I'd like to know more about the politics of collective liberation and how that fits in poetry, because I have a question. Tell me more about that. Um, My question is... (laughs) Go ahead, please, please. No, go ahead. I I need more. All right. right. My question is, what do you view as being the role of a poet in modern-day society? So much is happening. Well, I think... Yeah, totally. I think poetry can, poets can be, um, you know, incisive commentators on what's happening in the world, um, and I try to do that some of the time. But most of the time, I know that you know people listening to my work or people I'm in relationship to, you know, like my main, I send stuff out into the Twitter universe, but God knows who reads it, and whether someone who likes the tweet actually looked at the poem. But mainly, I get my work out to people who I know through Facebook and um, friends, family, collaborators, um, other artists. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think that art, um, art can create community, can help create links and bonds between people. All right. Share another poem, please. I want to put you on the spot again. Share another poem. Okay, sure. I'm going to, I'm going to read, I'm going to read my, a poem. There's another recovery poem. It's called Cunning Enemy. It's also in my first scene. And I wrote this um, last year, so I was younger than I am now. <laughs> um, okay. called Cunning Enemy. <laughs> I am only 41, but addiction has been a cunning enemy of my life for at least three decades. At first, compulsive sexual stimulation and fantasy but also a foundational addiction to the power of intellect and self-will. While my head branded me an atheist, my heart and soul kept me connected to the potent synergy of spirituality. In dance and performance with my black sisters and brothers, I felt the fire of blood memory, the power of creative expression to transcend. Over time, I experimented with substances. By my early 20s, I was a high-functioning alcoholic, managing to perform as a political organizer and graduate student while often starting the consumption of my first cosmopolitan at two in the afternoon. Eventually, I found cocaine, and all bets were off. My mind had found her master. The all-encompassing flood of dopamine was intoxicating, blinding me to the precipitous pace at which I was losing control of my thinking and my life. Ultimately, I came into recovery, paralyzed and mortified by the evidence of acute harm I had caused while using, mixing inappropriate and manipulative sexual patterns with substances. I didn't know where I wanted my life to go, but I knew that radical transformation was imperative. Addiction is a cunning enemy for so many reasons, one being that it masquerades as this superfly fur coat 
you can wear to the dopest club in town. Addiction sneaks up on you. You feel you are in control until you realize that you are in the prison of insane patterns. You feel you are in control until addiction reaches up to strangle your neck in the vice grip of a suicide in slow motion. But there is hope. In recovery, we keep each other sane, clean, and serene, one day at a time. Most of the time, there are acute mental health challenges at the root of why we use. Or, if this is not true, we may have issues arising from our years of using. I have learned to listen to my higher power, and my karmic goddess tells me that facilitating the fusion of the best insights of psychiatry and psychology with both the wisdom of recovery and the matrix of intersectional politics of liberation is part of the work I am called to do. Today, I tell this demonic, cunning enemy to fuck off because I am obeying spiritual forces, not the diseased thought patterns of addiction. This demon may be the most cunning enemy of life known to humankind, but spirituality, transcendent love, and the power of solidarity can keep us sane, one eye-opening and inspiring day at a time. Again, I hate to be redundant, but your work is so raw, it's visceral, and it's so honest. How do you handle the honesty? How do you put it out there like that for people to, to hear it? What, is, what does that take from you? Um, well, it's a good question. I mean, I, I, um, I've gotten more honest over the last two years as I've gotten into recovery and been mm-hmm. like gotten, you know, gotten away from the most ego focused parts of organizing that I used to be part of. Like I used to be someone who would be like, you know, emceeing the rally and getting all the banners made and like getting interviewed by the press and just like getting, doing all this stuff that really blew my head up to just really ridiculous proportions. Um, but I, I just feel that, you know, writing raw and resonant and visceral poetry, I give it out and it, it just comes right back to me. You know, like there's a, there's a saying in recovery, that, which is that um, we keep what we have by giving it away. Um, we can only build our own recovery by like giving to the newcomer who comes and supporting each other. And that's how I feel about the honesty of my poetry. Wow. Another poem. <laughs> I'm gonna keep you on the spot while I've got you. <laughs> Great. Yeah, we have we have like 20 minutes, so let's get some yes. stuff done. I'm gonna read a new poem. I wrote this this week. I hope people like it. It's called "Not Your Poison." It was inspired by one of my recovery siblings, um, whose uh, first name is Knox, and they um, are on Instagram. You can find them at at Plastic X Candy. Um, this was inspired by one of their poems. Um, they gave me the, the expression poison in relationship to mental health, and I wrote this. I am a human being suffering from the human condition. I am psychosis and neurosis. I am mania and depression. I feel things to the bone, and I seek the deepest truth. I imagine my tribe as a cyber-wired battalion of Jedi troops. I am not your poison. 
I am not psychically toxic. I register the pain of the system deep within, conjuring a zeitgeist so potent that your shock troops cannot stop us. We are addicts in recovery. We are zygotes in gestation. We are survivors of this system, rising up for liberation. Deep within the shrouds of mental illness lie profound visions and sacred insights. We transcend the terrestrial when we inspire our acolytes as they dance through the night. I am not your poison. I am a karmic revelation. I am not your poison. I am your motherfucking salvation. That's the poem. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> I was told no holds barred in the show, so I, you know, I did invite most of my family. So I'm, I'm limiting. I'm, I am actually self-censoring. All right. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with sprinkling on three words in periodically. There's nothing wrong with it. We have another caller. <laughs> Okay, Here great. we go. Let's give this person, bring this person on. Area code five one zero. The first three numbers are eight nine eight. You're on the air with Bipo Phoenix. Hello. 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 Yes. You're on the air with Bipo Phoenix. Yes. This is this is Aunt Rachel, <laughs> and I'm here for for David's poetry reading. Yes. Do you have a question for your nephew? Oh, no, I just want to say I love you, and um, us old ladies really get a little um, peculiar about the language, but that's okay. He should go ahead and say it how he feels it. All right, all right. (laughs) (laughs) That's just like an aunt. (laughs) What? What? Exactly. (laughs) All right, well, very nice. Thank you for calling in. Okay, and can I go on listening? All right. Yes. Okay. Thank you. All right. Okay. Bye, Paul. Another poem, please. Great. Um, This is for my second zine. It's called Gestation, Diary of a Shadow Worker. This poem was co-created with um, a friend whose name is Naima Lovechild. She's on um, Instagram at Naima Love, um, uh, Naima with two eyes. And it's called, once again, Gestation, Diary of a Shadow Worker. I want to write about who I am becoming and about what I am leaving behind. I want to write about the web we are weaving to save the air we are breathing with the power of our minds. I am a shadow worker in gestation, seeing the cracks through which liberation comes, pouring libations and releasing incantations to channel the power of the moon and the sun. We are incubating a transformed future as we navigate viral apocalypse. This is a terrestrial and corporeal process through which we bring alchemy to destiny's lips. My fire dance has become part of me. It is a medicine more powerful than morphine. It puts me at ease, cleaning out debris, bringing forth and sowing divine transformational seeds. The shadow energy I feel emerging is the sacred power of the night. It is the wisdom we find in gestation under the sacred glow of starlight. It is a power that rides like a dragon and clings with both talons to the feast in its lair. It moves like water, celebrating her daughters as they swim Neptune's depths with lungs of magical air. The power of the shadow worker is to mold our sacred fire to empower a new way of seeing. These subterranean and celestial forces writhe in gestation until they emerge as a potent and spiritual new way of being. Your poems have amazingly detailed titles. What role should a title play for a poem? 
Um, I, for me, um, I yeah, I, I guess sometimes I like a longer title. I like to have like a subtitle. Um, but more recently, I've been trying to keep it simple. Um, like I think a poem. I like poems. I like I like titles that. Um, capture a core element of the poem or else draw the reader in and like make you want to read. Um, so, you know, different, different kinds of titles for different kinds of poems. Tell us a bit about your zines. I mean, and where can I find one? Where can I find one of your zines? So there are two zines at present. I'm working on a third. Um, first one is called Queer Karmic Journeys. And um, I made an effort with the second zine to have less of an exclusively queer male vibe. So there are more like women and like, you know, femme identifying trans folk and that, that kind of a thing. So that one is called Phoenix Testament. There's a poem by that title. And um, if you go to my website, bipolarevolution.com, you can, um, there's a, there's a way to send me an email um, at bipo.evolve at gmail.com. And, I can take up pretty much any um, digital payment platform, be that Cash App, PayPal, or Venmo, and I'll just um, shipping is eight dollars nationally, three dollars in the DMV, and you know I can get them out pretty quickly to anyone who wants one. All right, very nice. Share another poem. So I'm going to share uh, a poem that I wrote um, a few months ago. It's called Truth Serum. A journal entry, and this is kind of one of the first poems where I express some of the ways I've, which I've been looking at, kind of like astrological ways of ways of seeing as a guide for things in my life. Um, so here we go. Truth serum, a journal entry. Last night, the moon communed with Jupiter. Someone told me to ask for what I want because I just might get it. With synapses firing at speeds faster than light. I ask for insight and foresight. I ask for knowledge of my noble purpose. Today I had a soul-to-soul convergence with a wise friend and spiritual teacher who was helping me unlock my purpose and my gifts. I shared the foundation of what I remember of my years of visions, the sacred eye that resonates through time, that detonates in my mind, and that permeates our organic spiritual traditions. There are so many forces that could have destroyed me. The horrors of addiction the icy Potomac River I leapt into, the police officers who nearly shot me dead, or the painful ferocity of movement accountability that has been executed in my world over the past three years. But I have not been extinguished or uprooted. I have rebooted and remained lucid as spiritual forces have manifested in my life. I have not done this alone. I have been guided by a higher power to which I must surrender at the outset of each day. I have been supported by family, and a tight, if small, circle of social support. I have been empowered by new teachings and new modes of analysis. I have finally dived deep to embody a fuller vision of the tantric and kundalini forces I have casually strewn about my poetry. I reflect a vision of my sacred guide, and I imagine two guardians of pure white on either side of me, two protective forces composed of marble and raw latex. Each pillar contains the manifold possibilities of gender while manifesting in a temporary binary on this plane. I seek a tribe of seers and shamans, 
circle of prescience and power, deploying magical shadow energy to conquer base and vindictive spirits. We dive deeply into our tantric power, experiencing orgasms of breath and orgasms of thought. We fuse the sacred and the erotic, for that is precisely how each was born. I have navigated my mental health clinically, but now I learn to study the spiritual meaning of manic depression. I yearn to imagine a new spirit to embody, to create and conjure faith-fueled armor for the psycho-spiritual struggles to come. I concede the streets of mobilization and social conflict to younger and more tempestuous souls. My purpose is to live as a seer, to spread radical subterranean love, and to create the filaments of a transformed universe. What are you trying to communicate with your art? Um, well, I mean, every poem has, has, I don't know how to answer that because every poem has like multiple messages and they're different. Okay. Um, so I don't know if, I, I guess I don't have, um, any one goal that just is all encompassing. Stands out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So that's. Like I said, again, I don't think I've ever heard poetry recited the way that you recite it. I've never heard poetry like yours before. And, again, it just amazes me that you're able to to tackle that part of you that allows the poetry to come out in that way. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate so that. It's deep. It, it's deep. It really, really is. It really is. I think we have time for one more poem, David. Please share. Okay, cool. Sounds good. I'm going to read the closing poem of um, the new zine called... um, This poem is like a wild... um, a wild psychedelic vision of just like some of the craziest things that could be transformative that that I'm trying to bring together. It's called Anarcho-Communist Caliphate. I'm a fractal infecting the matrix, a reborn intifada uprooting the empire's military bases. From the sands of the desert where divinity recreates us, we craft a reborn faith whose zeitgeist can sustain us. We need a holy war to uproot this toxic fascist order, a jihad of epic proportions to ensure our people aren't destroyed. Our manic minds imagine a mosque of brick and mortar, one that downloads new prophecies from interstellar signals refracting through our Cylon portals. My mind is conducting its own introspective EEG, quantifying the electricity generated by my neurochemistry. I feel the energy and power of holy Muslim prophecies. I want to make my own pilgrimage to see if Mecca can accept a proud queer. Brother Phoenix, Jagged Edge, undertook the conversion, finding a faith to keep flare and resistance in motion. Rituals of sacred prayer and intentional meditation, they imbue this ancient faith as it navigates and changes direction. I strive to harness my powers and sync with the moon and the sun. What I crave is a serenely sustainable manic equilibrium, the power to still the waters of time, inviting revolutionary angels to come, the power to read your mind when our intertwining souls become one. The science of evolution fuses with the infinite brilliance of creation. Our minds are in constant motion, transcribing the future of evolution. Sufi mystics reinterpret the Kabbalah, crafting mystical religion. Agents of karma mass-produce new organizers, building for a triumphant revolution. 
our talents to come might be a black trans diva providing spiritual guidance to an army of Vishnus and Shivas, allowing decentralized social reconstruction to move forward unimpeded while keeping alive the divergent faith traditions that have interbred and recongealed. My God is the Big Bang, better known as Allah. The Prophet Muhammad brought cosmic truth, radiant love, and a divine revolutionary spark. We build a caliphate to replace a system that is tearing our planet apart. We destroy and rebuild, crafting a new world in our hearts. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> the word is psychedelic. I've been wrestling with what is the word, and that's it. Psychedelic poetry. Amazing. What's next for you? But without the psychedelics. <laughs> without the okay. Without the psychedelics. Without the psychedelics. I don't need acid. <laughs> I don't need acid. I don't need shrooms. I, I got it. You know, it's happening naturally. That's beautiful. What's next for you creatively, my friend? Well, um, I'm trying to get a, a third zine out. Um, I'm I'm working on some ways of distributing I, I found a um like it's it's really hard to do what i do publishing wise because yes. i really rely on the images and so i need full color and that gets really expensive but i have mm-hmm. a great relationship with Basecamp, which is a re- lovely printer in dc and they give me good rates on these zines but i'm working on finding um a larger publisher and i've just been writing a lot like I've, i'm in a social work master's program and i um I just finished my first year, so over the summer I'm probably going to keep writing at a rapid pace. Um, but once the school year starts, I'll have to refocus and ground myself. Um, so, right. you know, that, that's some of where I've been and where I'm going. Thank you, everyone, for Very listening, nice. especially to my, to my beloved family, cousins, aunts, mom. I love you all. To my recovery family, Dwayne, anyone else, much love. Um, thanks for everyone who tuned in. and. Um, Thank you, Michael, for inviting me. Well, I'm very proud of you. I've learned so much being in your company. And uh, it's a wonderful thing, my friend, a wonderful thing. Well, I want to thank you. I wish you nothing but the best. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in, as they always do. I wish them safety and peace and love and you name it, I wish it. And like always, I'll share with you, let poetry ring. Good night, everybody. Good night, Michael. Good night, my friend. You have just listened to the quintessential listening poetry online radio podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And make sure to catch our next episode.